The following announcement has been paid for by the Major World Order. This is Billy Walter Peck, and with me, Hosvar, aka Heartbreak Hosvar, aka Handsome Hosvar, aka. What are you doing? My intro, duh. Yeah, but this is a commercial. Oh. <laughs> and I am the Big Jake Boski, Jake Wyatt, and this is the Major World Order. We are a podcast focusing on the incredible community that the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast has built. We have interviewed all three of the hosts, Smart Marks. Sterling, Matt Cardona, and Brian Myers, as well as a slew of major marks. Don't forget about Rory Fox. Even Rory Fox. So tune in to anchor.fm slash major world order to find the show and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at major world order. Because when you listen to the MWO, you're MWO for life. The following announcement has been paid for by the major, major world World order. Hi, this is Kevin Mangold from Red Clover, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. Christmas. Moose brought to me a reunion from hell with Hayden Newman. Welcome, horror hounds, to Moose's 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. Year two. I'm your host and gift giver, Moose. And what would a second year of horrifying tales be without a reunion? And not just a reunion, a reunion from hell. Joining me today to talk about that is writer, director, and actor from Reunion from Hell and the upcoming sequel, Reunion from Hell 2, Hayden Newman. How's it going? Hi, everybody. Good. How are you? Great. So, Reunion from Hell. It's a horror movie that feels real. Like the story is has a real feel to it. You know. You know. They say write what you know, and this feels like that. There's some real elements to what the characters went through in this story. Some of the stuff that the characters went through, I personally experienced. Um, I knew people who personally experienced it certain things and I got their views and what happened. Um, No, I did not have a serial killer come after me, but dealt with other issues that are in the film. Well, see, and that's, that's kind of what I was thinking, because it's hard to fake realism when you're writing a story. And the, the, the story of this movie, like you get invested in the characters, backstories and everything. And, like I said, it very much, there is that sense of realism. Like, you can tell there's, you know, pain and anguish in what these characters have gone through in their life. Yeah, and that was one thing 
some of the characters, like I said, are based off people I personally know, and I did it with their permission. Um, but I wanted you to care about the characters. I didn't want it to be just a, from the get go. I said, this is not a Friday the 13th movie. We're not just killing people to kill people. <laughs> um, I want you to care about these characters. So, and get to know these characters. So when they do get killed, it hurts more. You're yeah. invested in these people. Well, and I, I want to take a minute and read the uh, plot summary that I think you put up on IMDb because uh, yes. So, since his father's passing, Riley Connor has not returned to his hometown. But when the news of a murdered friend comes to light, Riley is forced to return home, unknowing that his life, along with those of his friends, will soon be in grave danger. As the body count rises, Riley discovers that the killer has a very specific plan in mind while hunting down his former classmates. It's a race against time, as Riley must learn the identity of the killer before all those he cares about deeply are dead. It's going to be one hell of a reunion. Yes. <laughs> I got to say, that that sums it up pretty well. And y you guys start off with the weird, creepy shit right off the bat. <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, I wanted to... Um, it was an homage... This film was a huge homage to the horror films that I love and I grew up on. Uh, and I'm sure you could tell some when you were watching it. Halloween was a huge influence. Scream was a huge influence. Um, so I was said from the get-go, we're going to, you know, hit it from the opening scene. That's another thing that really sticks out is you get an opening scene before the credits. Like, it sets the tone of the movie before the credits even roll. Yes. You know, you, you get a feel for what, you're about to actually watch, which I think doesn't happen enough in cinema anymore. You you, you kind of go in blind. Well, not in this case. You you, you get the uh, idea of oh, we're in for a slasher flick. Awesome. Yeah, and um, that was another thing we talked about when we were in pre-production. Um, I was very adamant because I grew up on those '80s '90s horror films that I did not just want a title card. I wanted the actual credits, uh, a credit sequence. Um, because in so many horror films now, you just get a title card. And I felt like the title cards don't really set up anything. Like uh, Sam, who also wrote the score, Sam Hodge, um, I feel, especially in those opening credits, that the score he created right there is like, okay, we're really getting into something here. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just blown away when he come back with that score. I was just blown away. I was like, yes. Like, it plays homage to the great horror films, but it's its own, too. So, yeah. Say it has that right amount of menace, but with enough intrigue to be like, what's going to happen? Because, like, this movie's uh, like a whodunit slasher. Mm -hmm. When you think you know, guess what? You don't. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny because actually it is one year ago to the day that we were all today that this date that we were all arriving in Louisville, Kentucky to start shooting. October the 10th was the first day of principal photography on one. 
Wow. 2020. Um, so it's kind of funny that we're. It's a little fortuitous. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny that we're, you know, it doesn't seem like it's been a year. It really doesn't. And um, I was talking to Kathy Podwell, who, of course, plays my mother in the movie. And uh, she obviously, Judy from Night of the Demons and uh, Callie Ewing on Dallas for four seasons. Lovely, lovely woman. But I was I was talking to her last night and I sent her like a happy anniversary text and she was like i can't believe it's been a year i was like neither can i so it's it's weird that here exactly a year later i'm doing an interview and i'm holding or not at the moment but earlier holding the actual physical media the disc dvd and blu-ray in my hand because it's getting ready to release so yeah when you google your movie the thing that pops up the most is when is this going to be released? <laughs> so there's a lot of anticipation for the physical media or yes. the streaming or, and I haven't seen that in the independent circuit in years, you know, this kind of buzz around a movie, you know, outside of like, you know, a major blockbuster. And so that's a testament to what you guys put together here. And, like we mentioned in the, uh, you know, when we were talking before we hit recorded, hit record, uh, you know, this is, you know, an LGBTQ horror movie, and it's not a movie about the community in a horror setting. It just happens to be a horror movie that involves the community. Exactly. And you mentioned a review that it's the best representation that they've ever seen on film. And it is, you know, the the fact that the characters are, you know, gay or lesbian or trans or, you know, any of the, uh, you know, different the members of the many community. Many letters, yeah. You know, say, yeah, many letters are ancillary to the actual story. They just happen to be these people. Exactly. And um, that's one thing that was so important to me was there's a huge, huge love for horror within the LGBTQ community. And as you were saying, they're never really represented. We were talking about it before we started. They were never never really represented in horror. If they are, it's the token gay guy or the token lesbian or, you know, it's a comic relief or something. And... um from the get-go i said no i want it to be this is who these people are but that's not the focus of it at all no you know and it's you know it goes back to that realism i was talking about because it you, you can see that as these guys and gals get together they you know have that history together and that there's there's an emotional bond there's this like tight knit community feel among these friends and your character, uh, Riley had separated from that for years. Yes. So now, you know, you also get to see what it's like coming back into the fold after all these years. It's the interesting thing about friends. You can leave, but when you come back, you pick up like you never left. 
Exactly. And one of my one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie is uh the campfire scene when we're all sitting around the campfire and we're all drinking and we're all, you know, just catching up and reminiscing, uh, talking of memories about our friend who was unfortunately murdered. And we don't know at this time that we're even in danger, but that's my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the film, because that's the last time that these characters are having fun together and reconnecting before it just goes crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. It's the calm before the storm. You know, that, that's kind of when you get the uh, shift in feel, you know, because, you know, it's the, the after party from the memorial, as it were. Yeah. Um, oh, just the, the friends reminiscing, catching up, you know, well, you, you've been gone for so many years, but you remember the time we went cow tipping or you remember when we did this, <laughs> you know, just, just random yeah. shit, you know, that friends do. Then, of course, you get the ominous overtones when uh, I believe it was Randy comes in. Randy, yeah. You know, the, the kid that was bullied and because he had a shit upbringing. Yeah. You know, he, he, he went through some trauma. You know, and then the movie shifts into where we're headed to the finale. Yes. It's cool that that's your favorite scene because it's also a very pivotal scene in the movie because it's right there at that life-turning moment really it really is and um that is yeah that's one of my absolute favorite scenes but we had a blast filming that scene and you know i'll tell it now we were actually drinking while we were filming <laughs> that scene. so we had even more fun um but yeah we had an absolute blast just filming that scene and um each take got funnier as we <laughs> Got a little bit more inebriated. Um, As the libations flowed, the jokes got funnier. <laughs> yes. Um, and speaking of the actor who played Randy, um, he had never, believe it or not, he was an Indiegogo supporter. He supported the film and bought a chance to be in the film. And he came up with Randy's backstory all himself. Wow. He did all that, like... He, everything he did and said, he he created. We were like, you know, Randy has had this crazy something happened in his life. He came up, he created with that backstory. Yeah, I say, and it was dark and menacing, and it, it fits yeah. perfect for the story. You know, th th that kind of like fringe friend who everyone kind of dumps on, and then he's like, "I hope you all die." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those reactions during that, you know, some of those I, when you're editing a film, you, you know, you take from the best takes. So some of those reactions may have been from the very first time of him telling that story that we didn't know it was coming. So those reactions were very real. Like we were like, oh, OK, this is he went through some really messed up stuff. Right, and he he played it very well. Like you felt like he went through some shit in his life, you know. Yeah, you're just like, wow, he's seen some stuff. <laughs> there there were parts where the uh, dialogue was a little cringy, but and don't take that as you know. Oh disrespectful. no, disrespectful. I, I mean, I, no. 
you know, writing period is hard. So, uh, getting, you know, immaculate dialogue, (laughs) there's, you know, blockbuster movies that still can't nail dialogue. So, you know, but it's the story that drives it. Exactly. And, you know, I also feel that kind of, you know, gives a nod to the, the, you know, the horror films we grew up on. Because if you go back and watch this, (laughs) some of the dialogue is just, like you said, it's cringy, but it's the story that drives the film, not the dialogue. I say at this point, if you're watching a horror film for dialogue, you're in the wrong market. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of like, it's a step above watching a porn for good dialogue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, but the, the the back and forth between characters is amazing. Dial- dialogue aside, you, you get that connection. That's what really helps sell every scene in this movie, like between you and your mom or you and uh, your estranged boyfriend, Chris. Yes. <laughs> I love the actor who plays him, Cody, yeah. Those scenes, the the, the emotion's so real. You know, I think that's also, we all lived together for the entirety of the shoot. Uh, The the house that served as the Connor home, which obviously you see in the film, was this huge house. It was a four-story old Victorian house in old Louisville, Kentucky, and it was big enough to house the entire cast and crew. So we all lived together the entirety of the shoot. So we really got to know each other. Um, you know, with Kathy, for example, and the actor who played my brother, Jeremiah, um, they came in a day before everybody else did. And me and them had about a day and a half just to get to know each other because we had to have that family that the believability that we were family well believability but estranged enough to you know it, like it didn't have to be tight knit exactly and you know i'm like me and Kathy went and grocery shopped for the house together and went out to Starbucks and i'm like i went grocery shopping with Kathy Podwell who gets to say that right you know, I mean, as just a horror fan, you're like, I'm living the dream. Screw the movie. I'm living, you know, I'm hanging out with people I watched, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Kathy is the most, God, she is, she is the most lovely, down-to-earth, sweetest woman. I don't think she has a mean bone in her entire body. Um, And one particular scene between me and her it took a lot out of both of us that particular scene and um it's she's realizing for the first time in that scene how far gone riley is oh is it the vodka scene yes oh um yes that scene took a lot out of both of us um emotionally what's Um, an emotional scene when we uh, when we finished that scene, me and her, and thank God it was the last scene we shot of that day. Um, me and her went. We had to both like kind of step away from everybody for like fifteen minutes and like collect ourselves. Um, and I remember in between takes, 
you know, I'm, I'm apologizing to her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm talking to you like this. And she's like, that's not, it's not you. It's your character. She's like, you know, I'm talking, I was like, I'm talking to Kathy Bodwell, who is like the nicest person in the world like this. She's like, no, Riley is talking to his mother. <laughs> to just set the listeners up a little bit, the, the scene we're talking about, what, what's been going on prior to this is we've seen, uh, Riley, who blames himself for his dad's death, coping with it like a lot of people do. Pills and alcohol and just emotional distress. You've been going down this rabbit hole forever. You know, kind of keeping it to yourself. He's been playing it, you know, playing it cool to the outside, but like most people who are depressed and who have mental health issues, play it cool around to everyone around you, but you're tearing yourself up for something that you have no control over and finally his mom sees that this is actually tearing him up and they have a confrontation over it and riley is at this point about a pint of vodka in and has the pills so you have a drunk emotional riley and an emotional uh, mom and it it comes to a head and it's a very powerful scene. And outside, you know, just outside of horror, it's very relatable for anybody who's ever had mental health issues. That that scene definitely struck a chord. Well, you know, I will say, you know, usually when you meet the, the protagonist of a horror film in the beginning, they're pretty normal. And I want it to do the opposite. When you met Riley, I wanted Riley to be damaged very damaged and throughout the film riley gets his resolution to certain things well it's kind of the reverse of what happens in the standard horror you know normally you meet the guy or girl and they're normal and then they end up on the pills and the booze and you know, they're they're emotionally and physically damaged at the end of the movie. This is Riley's healing journey. Exactly, yeah. I, I keep harping on this, but it, it's it's that relatable realism that I love so much about the movie. You know, it's that you could relate to the characters. You can you know, everybody at some point in their life has been in a situation where they're just they've reached the fuck it point. Yes. And that's where Riley is at the start of this movie. You know, just kind of cruising on autopilot. You know, I don't give two shits. I'm whatever, you know, and you you get to see him heal. It's kind of funny that Riley is, he's a therapist. That's what he does for a living. But, you know, he hides the fact that he's a, you know, vodka drinking, pill popping. (laughs) Emotional wreck. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, like I said, I wanted to do something you don't normally see. Like you said, this is his healing journey. Um, and there's a couple of points in the film. As I like to say that it's Riley's change. Um, one being, you know, the, the scene where everybody is you know the friends have come back together after the second murder and they're all bickering and fighting and uh riley kind of stands up and says you know i'm gonna 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to fight. Nobody else is going to die because of me. Um, that I feel is one of Riley's turning points. And then there's an, another character's death later on in the film um, that Riley is, I don't want to give too much away, but Riley's there, but doesn't get there in time. Yeah. And I think that, and then he, Riley gets a phone call. <laughs> and I think that phone call is Riley, that death is Riley's real turning point where he's like, okay, all the gloves are off. This is going to be a fight to the death. So let's go. The scene with his friends is definitely the, uh, I need to stop running moment in his head. You know, because mm-hmm. he's been running from dad's death. He's starting to run from everything else. You know, but now there's this killer targeting him and his friends. You know, he he doesn't want to run again. Exactly. And so that, that's, yeah, that's when you start to see that change in Riley's character. And it shifts the tone of the movie again. And it's, this is beautifully shot, by the way. You know, and just the oh, way yeah. everything was laid out, you know, it, it laid out perfectly along those, like, character shifts. And the the, the tone shifts and... You, you kind of slip into a different style of movie at the same time. And it's like, this is, for an independent movie, this is phenomenally done. Yeah, I have to give all props to my cinematographer and you know, co-director Sam Hodge. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal cinematographer. And me and him worked so well together. And the funny thing is, is we didn't meet until in person until the day before we started shooting. But me and him worked so well together, we could literally look at the other one and know what the other one was thinking about the scene of how it should be, you know, framed or, you know, shot, lighting, all of that. Um, And a beautiful friendship grew from it. Um, his wife, uh, Jana, who, she played Jen in the movie, um, but she also was the boom operator. And, uh, you know, beautiful friendships g- formed from making of this film um, that I will forever cherish. Um, there wasn't a a diva on set or anything like that everybody we were guerrilla filmmaking we really were and everybody you know pitched in and helped um you know there wasn't a cook there wasn't a caterer we 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 made meals together or you know ordered out um i think grub hub of louisville kentucky was tired of seeing the house (laughs) (laughs) you guys again (laughs) i feel to me that just made the movie that much more powerful oh yeah um yeah we all were we all loved what we were doing we all you know believed into this story and um I feel just honestly just made the movie that much more powerful. Well, where did the uh, idea for the story come from? I mean, like you said, it's an homage to everything we grew up on. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's funny story. Um, the idea had kind of been like circling in my head for a long time. I'm a theater brat. 
when I when I say theater, bro, I started in theater as an actor, went into directing in theater, I mean, 20 years of theater. Um, so the, the idea was circling in my head as an homage, you know, in a way to the films that I loved. Because, you know, for so long, first of all, for so long, horror films have been found footage, ghost, found footage, ghost. I got tired of seeing that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I went to a horror convention in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and there was a panel for independent filmmakers and it was hosted by Michael Bean who was in the Terminator and you know played Hicks I think it was Hicks or was it Hudson an alien you know he was in Aliens and Tombstone it's in Johnny but, Ringo <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> he and his wife have actually gone into independent filmmaking so they hosted this panel and he said to me, or said to everybody, you know, if you want to make a film, you're the only one holding yourself back. Do it. And that really resonated with me. I was like, he's right. So I went home and I wrote the first draft in like seven days of the script. And then I just from there... Pre-production started in February of 2020. We were shooting in October of 2020. But um, I wanted to also represent the LGBTQ plus community. And I wanted to really see a film that I would enjoy as a horror fan. And I, I think you nailed it. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to watch it again. I just watched it last night. <laughs> you know, and it's it's one of those films that you watch it the first time, and then you go you, you want to go back and watch to see what did I miss? Yeah, um, we've had because there's that huge, huge reveal, like flip at you on the end, like you think you know what's going on, and then it like flips. Yeah, um, obviously leading up to the the sequel. But um, that actually happened on set. That was originally not, it wasn't written that way. Um, certain things happened and we had to rewrite scenes on set. So there was never an intention when we did the first film, starting the first film to be a sequel. It just played out that way. And I, I think it's set up gorgeously for a sequel. W without giving too much away, it does... It leaves open ended, you know. Yes, the, the story's not done, and not it, it's not open ended in the way of will there be a sequel? You know, could there be a sequel? It's open ended in the way of you have to finish the story. <laughs> you know, yeah. especially with the, where Riley's character's at, he's not going to rest now until this story's finished. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's um, <laughs> kind of funny. Every screening that we have done for the film, the first question in the Q&A is, when is the sequel coming? <laughs> that is the very first question. Every Q&A we've done with people that have screened the film was, when is the sequel coming? 
I feel let down now. I, I should have asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we start filming the sequel in January. Oh, nice. Um, yes, because the sequel, actually, I'm taking another love. I love Christmas. So the sequel is a Christmas themed horror film. We are. We have gone to celebrate Christmas in the mountains. Um, and lo and behold, it all starts to happen again. And he's back. Uh, so I want it to, because there's not many Christmas horror films. No, there's not. I mean, Black Christmas, the original, is really good. Yes. Um, it it kind of gets watered down in the remakes, but the original is really good. Um, but yeah, as far as Christmas horror goes, there's there's really not much to do. So now you, you now you're tackling two uh, subgenres, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny um, because the surviving characters from one, and you know who's left, yeah, because <laughs> you've watched the movie. Um, this the sequel picks up about two years later. Um, there is a writer, a news reporter, uh, who is going to be played by Mark Patton, Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street Two. You know Jesse Walsh, um, who his career was kind of going downhill, and then the events of one made his career go back through the roof. He's wrote a book about the events of one. I kind of like to call him the male Gail Weathers. He, um, he is, uh, you know, he's doing what he can to get, you know, hold on to his career, taking back off. So he's Dr. Loomis. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, that character is what drives our characters into the mountains to celebrate Christmas um, because we want to get away from him. Well, you know, obviously he follows us because he's a news reporter, but two is a very different film from one. I will say that two is a very, very different film from one um, because we are dealing with the fallout of one. What's happened to these characters in this time frame? Well, and there was already so much emotional turmoil in one. Now that's going to get doubled down on from the events in one. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I love, and I don't want to give too much away. One of the things I love is Riley may not be the actual target into. Somebody else may be because of choices they made. And Riley is just... Riley's there, but Riley's not the may, may not be the main target this go around. I have a theory about that, and I'll talk to you about it when we're done here. Because um, I, I was wondering, but we'll leave that for off the record. Um, I, I do, I do want to talk about the design of the killer. Yes. It seems really simplistic, but at the same time, it's creepy as hell. Just like that all black with, what is it, like? It's not quite a clown mask, but it's kind of a clown mask. Um, it, it, 
kind of, I, I guess we can say we went the, the Halloween route with the mask. Um, we found this mask and um, it was kind of like a jester, I guess you could say, not full clown. So that, that, that explains the clown feel. Okay. We were like, we've got to, and when we found the mask, the eyes were originally open. So I was like, no, 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 no. We've got to, you know, blacken the eyes and we've got to alter it enough that, you know, we can't be sued for using somebody else's mask. <laughs> <laughs> we made changes to the mask. Uh, the, the, the tears that are like the black tears um, was puff paint like that puff paint that you would use on shirts yeah it was black puff paint and we just did the tears and um made little alterations but i wanted something that would be memorable something that would there's certain scenes in the film that i one this ain't giving anything away because it's in the trailer um the scene where they're in the basement and all you see is the character you know, the character goes to the washer and all you see is that mask pop out mm-hmm. and you see a little bit of the knife and then it pop well, like he steps back again as the character walks back through um i wanted those genuine creepy moments like and i wanted something that like i said would be memorable but creepy well, and I think you nailed it, because as you're watching the first victim go through the house, he goes out to the kitchen, and just over in the corner, just dark of the corner, all you see is the mask, and the mask on, mask back. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what the hell is that? You know, because yeah. it was just a split second, just, here I am, I'm gone. You know, it's like, was that? No. Was it? Exactly. You no, know, it's just out of place enough to catch your eye and kind of plant those seeds of oh crap what's you know what's gonna happen until you get the reveal and you're like oh shit that was him okay cool yeah and you know i wanted to do that i wanted to you know play with the viewer you know is he in the house is he not in the house you know is he you know um there's a certain death in the film and i absolutely love the way we shot this scene because it's shot in a way you don't you know the killer's coming, but you don't know where the killer's coming from. Um, and that is a every time that death is viewed, or I've been in a screening of the and that death scene happens, people lose it um, because they're we don't they know the killer's coming, but they don't know where he's coming from. He or she may be coming from, right, or how. <laughs> And um, that that particular death scene was actually inspired by one of my worst fears. It's the second death scene in the film, so you'll know which one I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my biggest fear. You know, the the that particular that happening that makes me cringe. I could see that. Yeah, and it, it doesn't happen in a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, and when it does, it is very powerful. It is a very powerful scene to get the uh, like initial impact of it. So, yeah, I, I could see that being 
a, a deep-seated fear, actually. Yes. Um, yes, it is. One of my favorite lines in the movie starts with the opening kill. And as we talked about before, the opening victim is a guy, which I thought, you know, was tremendous to start with. Um, but the best line, you know, you, you, you kind of get that, scream vibe at the beginning you know you're getting the calls back and forth so you see the victim go lock the door and the killer asks did you lock me out or did you lock me in and it's like yeah Ooh, they asked you know because it's always as a viewer you're, you're always like are they already in the house you know but this is the first time that i can recall that someone's like they've like legitimately asked hey Sure, that was a smart choice. I could be in here exactly. with you, yeah. And it's like, ooh, that was good. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, Sam did the voice of the phone calls. He did the voice. Um, so he created a lot of that. At, you know, he did it himself. Like when we were filming the scenes, somebody would be in the background reading the scripted lines for the killer that was supposed to be said on the phone but sam did a lot of ad-libbing too and threw stuff in there and that was one of the things he threw in there and i was like i absolutely love it and you know there's another time when you know he you can tell whoever this person is is enjoying what they're doing yeah and um he's on the phone and a character says, well, how, I'll call the police. How about that? And he's like, they'll never save you. Or something like that. Yeah, so I'm like, they'll, never, you know, they'll never save you in time or something. It's like, yeah. ooh. So you can tell that this this person is enjoying what they're doing. Um, but yeah, that's a testament to Sam, too. He uh, created some of those great lines. Yeah, yeah, the killer toying with the victim. And it's just... From the get-go, you have the independent feel. You you can tell a lot of care and thought went into this movie, and it was made for and by a horror fan. You know, you guys know horror. There's, there's no doubt about it. And too often you see people who want to set out to make horror don't really, you know, like, oh, I, I know scary movies. No, you don't. You guys, on the other hand, know scary movies. You know, yes. So that, hands down, just phenomenal job. Thank you. And, you know, I, that's not just me. It was my entire crew um, and my cast. Uh, we were all lovers of horror. Um, there's a particular shot in the film, and I absolutely love it. And this was not a giveaway. This isn't given away either. When... Before Riley comes home, when Kathy's character is looking out the window and that silhouette, the lighting, when she thinks she sees a car in the driveway and she's kind of panicking and the way it's shot as she's walking back and forth, walking back and forth, like a mom freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the lighting in that scene is absolutely beautiful. The blue lighting. Oh, that, yeah as you see her face. Um, and I mean, it's just, I think that was like the second or third scene Kathy did in the film shot for the movie. Um, 
I cannot remember exactly because, you know, I can tell you the very first scene we shot in the film, which is uh, actually, I, I don't know how many people know this, films are shot out of sequence. And the very first very first scene we shot is when Riley is running down the stairs and the sheriff and everybody's in the living room waiting. Like, I mean, it's like in the middle of the movie. Yeah. That was the very first scene we shot in the film. Wow. I can remember shooting that scene and thinking, Oh my God, I'm again, I'm doing a scene with Kathy Podewell. (laughs) To me, who, you know, is a legend, I call her a legend. She's like, I'm not a legend. Kathy will say, she, I'm not a legend. I'm like, yeah, you are. You just don't know the following you have in the horror community. Um, but Kathy is very humble. Very, very humble. She's like, just amazing. Amazing. If you ever get a chance to interview her, please take it. She's great. Nice. So where can listeners uh, keep up up to date on like announcements for uh, reading from hell Two and, and follow you on social medias? Yes. Um, you can f- find me on social media, which is Hayden Newman, real simple. Um, but then we have the reunion from hell Facebook page. And then we have a group page, um, that's Facebook and it's reunion from hell. Also now everything's gone to two because we're getting ready to do two, but in the group, especially you can talk to some of the cast members. We all kind of pop in and interact with people, um, which is fun. It's fun way. Um, But we also, I have an Instagram, which is again, Hayden Newman. Um, so we can be found on Instagram and on Facebook and um, the cast for two. Oh my God. The people who have joined too is just mind blown me. We have Lisa Wilcox from nightmare on Elm street, four and five, John Dugan from the Texas chainsaw massacre, Mark Patton from nightmare on Elm street two. Is that, I mean, I have these legends coming onto two in my mind are legends reunion from hell to the star studded sequel. <laughs> well, you know, we're kind of joke now we're kind of joking now because, you know, Lisa and Mark are both from the nightmare franchise, but they've never been in a movie together other than like a documentary that's yeah. been done on all the films. So, we're kind of joking out like it's a nightmare reunion in a way. And somebody actually asked when it was announced that Mark was in the film, they said, please tell me him and Lisa have a scene together. And I'm like, actually they have quite a few scenes together, not giving too much away. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to shooting too. Um, and all of us getting back together and the new cast and I've told all of the new cast members coming in. I'm like, you we're we're fun, we're loving, but we can be crazy. So welcome to the family. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one of my favorite things that happened on set when we were shooting one, um, 
we were on location. We were we were shooting the finale of the film actually, and that was done over two nights. And me and we had finished for the night, hungry. <laughs> we were hungry, and in my car it was me and Kathy and the actor who played my brother Jeremiah. Well, three o'clock in the morning, we're exhausted, and we want food. We go through like a Taco Bell drive-through. We forget that we are covered in the special effects. <laughs> we all forgot because that, that you know when you're shooting a movie, especially an independent film, it, it, it's it's so it's work. People might not think it's work. It's work. I mean, you're shooting sometimes 16, 17 hours a day. Um. So we were exhausted and we ordered the food and we drove up and I will never forget it. As long as I live, the guy opened the window to take the money and he just froze, (laughs) just froze. And this look of fear in his eyes. And he was like, y'all need to find a hospital. (laughs) And it clicked in that moment and we all started laughing. We were like, no, 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 no. It's it's fake. We're making a movie. That poor boy, we probably traumatized him for life. That's not something you see in Louisville, Kentucky (laughs) that often. I I don't know. It is something you see working late night and drive through though, so. But yeah, that's, that's, one of my favorite memories from the set because we had completely forgot about it and <laughs> just the look on that poor child oh my gosh his face oh that's fantastic listeners i will post those links like usual in the episode description so finding hayden and the movie will be easy and accessible just click of a button you can find me and other great podcasters at electronicmediacollective.com or on twitter at moose media inc Hayden, this has been an absolute blast. I have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And definitely going to have to bring you back on when two comes out and jump down the rabbit hole again to conclude the story. (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing before you... One is actually releasing to the public on DVD and Blu-ray and everything on the exact date we wrapped filming... We wrapped filming on October 19th last year, and on October 19th this year is when the DVDs and Blu-rays come out. So, yeah. Everything's going full circle. So, looking forward to the next visit and the next look at this masked killer and see we can finally figure out who he is, or she is, (laughs) or it is, I guess. Could be a... You're up in the mountains, it could be a Sasquatch. It could be anything, exactly. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on, and looking forward to the next time, and... Yes. Till next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Bash. Come back for chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>